patterns. It's our sermon title today, The Repetition of Those Feet. Oh, are we on? Are we on? Maybe we'll use this. Are we good? We'll try both mics. We'll see. Okay. Patterns. There is a repetition to those patterns in those feet. Thank you, Julie, for that poem. I, I love that visual. It's such a, it's an amazing thing. Now that I've been ordained as an elder, are the expectations of my sermons, that, has that changed? I don't know. Just more of them. Just more of them, okay. So, New Year's resolutions are often des- described as a pattern. How are yours going? Going all right? If they're not going well, you're in good company. I think about 16% of New Year's resolutions actually stick. So, uh, it's kind of a rough time to start something new. It, we uh, waded through the, the, the winter to get here, and it doesn't feel like it's a time to start something new. Winter feels like a time to cozy up and just hibernate. It's sort of a, a difficult time. So if you're feeling like, man, these, these resolutions are hard. I, I feel like I'm having to work extra hard to do these New Year's resolutions. You are not alone. In fact, I, I was kind of curious, why, why do we have the new year in the middle of winter? Shouldn't that feel more of a springtime kind of a thing? A, a New Year's resolutions sort of in line with a spring cleaning that feels more in line? Well, actually, if you're curious, it used to. It used to be the New Year started in the springtime. As for many things in our Western world, we can thank the, the Romans for messing things up a bit. Not my son, but uh, his name is Roman. The Romans were responsible for the names of our months, and I was starting to think about that. I, I went and I, I thought about, you know, December, deck, D, that's, that's 10. Why, why do we, why is it 12? Well, actually, if you look at all of the ember months from September through December, they simply represent their order in the original 10-month Roman calendar. We used to have 10 months. This was, I think, 700 BC was, it was 10 months. They actually, after the 10-month, it was kind of just winter, and no one really kept track of it. It was sort of a strange thing. They had 10 months, and September comes from septum, meaning seven, October from octo, meaning eight, November from novem, or nine, and finally, of course, December, well, about 154 BC, there was a revolt in Spain, and Rome went and quelled that revolt in Spain, and they said, well, we actually need a time for when this thing happened, and so then we have the New Year's. It's kind of a strange thing how we got to New Year's in the middle of winter. So, if you're feeling like, ah, oh, this isn't really a time for renewal, I'm struggling to keep that resolution. Well, 
it has good reason, we are, are the natural rhythm of the calendar got thrown off by the Romans. They are patterns. I was thinking about patterns, you know, the months, the rhythm, the patterns, New Year's resolutions, how do we do these new things? And so I, I looked up this, um, you know, patterns. Oh, let's see. And I came up with this image. You know, we see in nature there are patterns. Interestingly enough, I asked an AI program, show me a pattern, and it came up with this. I, I thought that was kind of a, an interesting thing. We live in a, a day where zeros and ones, the digital age, now intersect with artificial intelligence, and it can create photos. What, what are patterns? And, and this is what a computer came up with. Something that repeats. We have good patterns, good habits. We have bad patterns. Back in the 80s, Texas was dealing with a difficult problem, littering. Littering was rampant in Texas in the 80s. And how do we break this pattern of getting these macho farmers in Texas who say, I can do what I want and I'll throw my can out the window. And it was making a mess. They thought, how are we going to, to do that? Well, people like Willie Nelson came to the rescue because they recognized that if they just said people, hey, don't litter, it's bad, it wouldn't change the pattern that had developed. So a very clever marketing campaign with people who were respected in Texas, like Willie Nelson, don't mess with Texas. Do you remember that slogan, don't mess with Texas? Well, that was a very clever marketing campaign that said, if we just tell people what to do or what not to do, that's not enough to break a pattern. We need to have an emotional connection. We need, in this case, Texas, Texans need to feel, don't mess with us, don't mess with Texas, don't trash Texas. And it was a very successful campaign. How do we break bad patterns? How do we create good patterns? Sometimes when we think of patterns, we look at people and their end result. And we think of a goal, I think of a goal that I had, that said, I want to do a thousand push-ups in one day. And if you think that's silly, you are correct. It is not smart. It is a silly thing to do. And we think of the end in mind, people who want to climb Mount Everest, who want to achieve these great big things, and we look at that person and say, there's no way we can do that. If we look at the end in mind, hopefully we, we have a goal, but if we look at the end of mind of somebody else and their goal, we may not start at all. If I had said, I want to do a thousand push-ups tomorrow, I would fail. However, I developed a plan, a sequence where I'm just going to start with 20. Do 20 push-ups. I can do that. 
And then the next day, I'm going to do some more. And the next day, I'm going to do some more. And then you enter into accountability where you have people who are checking up on you. And a pattern over time, repetition can lead to achieving a goal. And so one of my bucket list items of I want to do a thousand push-ups in a day, I did it. Not because I can just suddenly do that thing. I needed a pattern, a repetition that led up to that ridiculous goal that I had. Let's get into our verse for the day. There are patterns in the Bible, of course. You might recall the story from the second book of Kings, chapter 5, verse 14, the verse that we had. Naaman, the commander of the army of the, of the king of Syria, was also a leper. You can see leprosy was a deadly disease, is a deadly disease, and a very painful one. In the youth today, we talked about, you may not know if you're new, I'm the, the youth pastor. We had 16 young people today. We we're going through this story today, and we were talking about patterns and trust. How do we trust that we get in and we use those patterns to get to our goal? Well, in this verse, we'll read it one more time, 2 Kings 5.14, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. That's essentially the end of that. That's a miraculous success. Do this thing seven times, miraculous success. We struggle with the pattern. Naaman struggled with the pattern. How did he struggle? We're going to get to that a little more later. We're going to unpack Naaman's story a little bit more, but let's talk a little bit more about patterns. What are patterns? Well, they are things that repeat. We have good patterns and we have bad patterns. You think of people who may struggle with being an alcoholic. That's a pattern. That's a pattern, a repeated pattern when in, it is a compulsive behavior resulting in an alcohol dependency. It's not one drink. One drink doesn't create an alcoholic. However, if you speak to an alcoholic, the first drink, when that person took that drink, they didn't imagine that it would lead to alcoholism. As a teacher and principal, I dealt with the idea of bullying. And people started throwing this term around bullying quite a bit, and it ended up kind of cheapening the word. And we'd see two kids would get angry at each other, and they'd fight, and that kid's bullying my kid. Like, well, no, not necessarily. It happened one time, and that's a fight, and that's bad. But bullying is when it is repeated, when one who is stronger repeatedly focuses and narrows down into one other person who would be considered weaker, and it is repeated. 
Same thing could be said for gambling. One pull of the slot machine, that doesn't make you a gambler. But when it becomes a problem, that's kind of how I figure it, is that when a pattern becomes a problem, therein lies the addiction. Of course, we have these good habits. Brush your teeth every day. Floss. Get good sleep, exercise, start your day out and end your day with prayer. These different good habits, maybe you have those, maybe you struggle with those. You know, I, I got to put my phone down before I go to sleep because the blue light's into my eyeballs that makes it so I don't get great sleep and I need to break, I need to, that's a, I need to have that as a good habit. Or maybe this is an addiction what do these two opposites have in common? Well, it's repetition. They happen over and over and over again. Of course, we know that doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is what? Insanity. It's crazy, right? If you expect I am going to sit on the couch every single night and watch TV every single night, and then I'm going to get strong. Like, well, no, you're, you can't have that repetition. You can't do that same thing over and over again. You can't create that pattern of negative behavior and expect that it's going to get better. How I like to think of the repetition in life is that the things that are good for me I want them to become automatic. Brushing my teeth. I don't think a lot about that. That's, you know, you brush your teeth. You go to sleep, you brush your teeth before that. You wake up, you brush your teeth. There, you know, taking showers once. Those are good patterns. Those are good habits. And if we do them as part of a regular routine, they're not really that difficult. It's the things that are those negative patterns. How do we interrupt them? How do we interrupt that negative pattern? That's where we struggle. Repet repeated actions create identity. When you do something over and over again, people start to associate you with that thing. I had the fortune of living in Hawaii for a short amount of time, and I would get asked, hey, Adam, are you a surfer? No, no, no. I am not a surfer, was always my answer. I go surfing. You see, if you say that you are a surfer, it implies a sense of, of, of skill, that you're good at it. And this is not a picture of me. I was not a, a good surfer. It is closer to something like this. Small waves still falling. I go surfing. I am not a surfer. I did not go surfing enough for that skill to become a part of my life. I did not have the identity of a surfer. There was a lady who was very concerned for her 19-year-old son. He got mixed up with the wrong crowd. He made some dumb decisions. Not a bad kid, just made some dumb decisions. And he got sentenced to four years of jail. 
and she's thinking, my baby, what is he going to do for four years? How is he going to survive four years? So she went to the only place that she knew where she could maybe get some answers, and she went to an online forum, and she told the story of my son. How is he to survive? So she posted this on Reddit on a forum. How do you survive four years of prison? And there were lots of answers. People came up with lots of answers, and people vote up and down, which was the best answer. And someone said, I've been in prison, and this is how I survived, because the boredom is going to get you. What I did to make those four years, pass, those, that time pass quickly, was I created a very strict regimen I would wake up at the exact same time every day. I would take the exact same amount of time to brush my teeth. I would, I would do everything repeatedly, even to the point where he would count so that every day was the same. And people were commenting, well, why did that help this man get through prison quickly? Well, when we create these patterns, our brain stops having to pay as close of attention, and the days kind of blur together because they're all the same. And so the advice that this mother was given was, tell your son to make every day exactly the same. Time flies by. How do you experience the passage of time? Is your time flying by? I know it certainly feels like that sometime. Wake up, have your morning routine, go to work, eat food, come back, watch TV, go to sleep, wake up, eat breakfast, same morning routine, go to work, watch TV, go to sleep. Your brain doesn't have to pay a lot of attention to that. It just sort of goes into an autopilot mode because the days blend in with the other and the time goes by quickly. An extreme example on the other end, have you ever been in an automobile accident? I was at a stoplight and there was a big box truck next to me. And I was on my way to work. The light turned green. Both the box truck onto my left. We started going forward. The box truck stopped suddenly. I came and went out into the intersection. And off to my left, I see a big black blur, a big pickup truck barreling through. Had not stopped for their red light and I slammed on the brake. Fortunately, it hit just the front of the car. It was very close to hitting me, but it hit the front, spun me around, went through a light pole. It's amazing how long that took. In actual time, it was, you know, seconds, if that. It felt like an hour because I could see this truck getting closer to me. I could see the face of the man as his, he was white-knuckling, as he saw what was happening as the car spun around. My brain was paying very, very close attention. My brain was not on autopilot. 
time slowed down for me. When our brains have to pay close attention to things, time slows down. Let's get back to the story of Naaman. This story of Naaman is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And I'm going to read a little bit of this story, starting with 7. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. He said, this healing is going to be expensive. I'm going to have to pay a lot of money if I want them to heal me. And he brought the letter... The king wrote him a letter to take with him to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. So the king of Israel gets this letter. And when the king of Israel reads the letter, he tore his clothes. He said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me? to cure a man of his leprosy? The king of Israel said, who am I to heal, to give life or to take away life, to be in that kind of power? I don't have that kind of power. Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. The king of Israel thought this must be some type of a trick. He's trying to bait me. He's trying to get in an argument with me, asking me to do something I can't do. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, When have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored." and you shall be clean. Oh, well, that's pretty easy, you would think. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out and stand with me and call upon the name of his Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure this leper. Are not Abinu and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, the rivers of my homeland, they're much cleaner, better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? I don't get it. I brought all this gold and silver, and you asked me to come and dunk seven times in a muddy river near your house. Like, I, I don't understand. So he turned and went away in rage, but his servants probably tentatively, came near him and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you, and you will not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? He's asking something simple of you. So he went down and he went, and seven times he ducked down. One, two, three, Reminds me of those push-ups. Like, how many times do I have to do this? What if he had stopped at four? I'm not getting any better. I don't see any progress. Going to go all the way through, going to seven. 
and he was clean. The end result was spectacular. The end result was miraculous. Dipping in the water seven times on its own does not heal leprosy. That dirty, muddy water was not what healed Naaman. Another example, the story of Joshua at the battle of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6 tells of the story of these great walls of Jericho. And in that book of Joshua, the Israelites are told, I want you to walk around that city. Okay, walk around the city. I want you to walk around seven times. Seven days, you're going to do it. Every day, walk around and don't say anything. Be absolutely quiet while you're doing it. Take the Ark of the Covenant and do it like walk around. How is this going to work? I don't understand. Attacking a city is supposed to be hard, and you want us just to quietly walk around. But on the seventh time, do it seven times. Seven times, and then we attack? No, the seventh time, you're not going to attack. What are you going to do? We're going to, you know, battering rams, and then we'll do it. No, no, the seven times, we want you to yell real loud. What? In the book of Joshua, it doesn't talk about how they complained. That wasn't listed there. I'm quite certain that there was probably some complaints. It wasn't documented. What? No matter how loud we yell, those rocks are not coming down. No matter how loud the trumpets sound, they're not like crystal where you can yell real loud. It shatters. It doesn't. How is this going to work? How by me dipping down seven times. I don't get it. These things don't equate. They are not equal. Yelling doesn't bring stones down. Dipping in muddy water doesn't equal healing. I don't get it. It's too easy. Our salvation and what Jesus tells us we need to do to be saved what we need to do, and the salvation, they are not the same. They're not even close. Similar to yelling at a wall and the wall coming down is not close. Those things are not equal. Dunking in the river and expecting yourself to be healed of a terrible disease is not equal. It's not the same. We cannot achieve salvation through the things we do. Those things aren't the same. However, I believe that the act of faith, having that faith in the pattern, putting our minds in a place where we are willing to accept the thing that we don't deserve. You don't deserve the healing of the leprosy. You don't deserve the rocks to just, the walls to just come down on their own. We don't do that. God does that for us, but he has asked for our lives to be lived in a pattern. He has asked for our lives to be lived in a pattern that reflects him. How do you experience the passage of time? Is it fast? Is it slow? 
the things that are difficult, the things that make you pay attention. Right now, time is going very slowly for me. I am standing up in front of my friends and family, but being up here, kind of nerve-wracking, right? I have to, it slows down. I am going to remember this time more so than you because the spotlight is on me and I have to make sure that I'm on doing things where we step out in faith, where we do things that push ourselves. We say, you know what? I'm going to help that homeless person. I am going to be strong in my faith and ask someone if I can pray with them, but that'll feel awkward. Yep, it will. You have been given the fruits of the Spirit. You have been given talents because you are a child of God and God says, hey, you've got these skills. You've got these things that I want you to do. If you live a life of repetition of not using them, your life will go by very quickly. Your, your brain won't have to pay attention. But if you say, God, use me. Use the talents that I have been given by you. Help me be bold. Whew, I got to do something new. I got to do something that makes me feel uncomfortable. Time will go by slower. I asked the artificial intelligence, give me a picture of an hourglass. This is what it came up with. We live in a crazy age. Technology, things are moving and changing so fast. This represents our lives. God willing, we never get to the end because we believe that our Heavenly Father is returning soon. But we don't know what's in that top half. We don't know how many grains of sand are left. It's covered up for us. We can see what's on the bottom because that's, those are the pieces of sand of time that have already passed. And we can remember them fondly. And they create who we are. But the only grains of sand that you actually are experiencing are the sands that are actively going through that middle small piece right now. That's the only grains of sand you actually get is what is currently happening. They will go by quicker when you are not utilizing and not the, the talents that God has given you. When you're not standing and being bold, that rhythm of life will go by. My, courage, my encouragement to you is that as you think about your New Year's resolutions, the new things you want to do, don't give up on them. Maybe you need to keep dunking just that one more time. If you stop, it's okay. Start again. Maybe you might want to start some of them in springtime because that feels like a better time to do it. My encouragement to you on this wet Sabbath day is that you take stock of the talents, the fruits of the Spirit that God has given you, and you think, how can I be bold in using them? I guarantee you time will slow down. The repetition of these footprints, 
the repetition of these footprints. There is a pattern there, right? One step after the next. And when we look back as the poem that Julie read, what about the times when you only see the one set of footprints? That's the times when he's helping you get through that pattern and to keep going. Keep dipping that one more time under the water. Keep going around that city one more time. Developing those patterns, using what God has given you is one way that we can control the passage of time. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for your promises to hold us and to keep us and to walk with us during those difficult times. And thank you for carrying us during those difficult times. I ask that you be with each and every one here and those who have not been able to make it today. May you bring us back safely next week as people travel these treacherous roads. We thank you for this Sabbath day. In your name we pray. Amen.